like we got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. that. We don't got time for that. All right? Let's go. Crank it. Crank it, Glenn Cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, what's happening? Welcome into another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk on your Tuesday here. And uh, a lot happened over the weekend. Some bad stuff happened last night. We'll talk about that coming up later in the show. Uh, We'll also talk about what's happening tonight. KU taking on Texas Tech on the road, already back at it in uh, Big 12 play as they'll be uh, having Kevin McCuller going back home for a big one. 8 o'clock, pregame 6.30 right here on your original home for the Hawks with KLWN. They're huge news. Okay. First of all, Happy New Year. Thank you. Happy New Year. First show of the New Year. Happy 2023, everyone. First show of the New Year. Mm -hmm. Okay. Huge news. Hot seat. Derek Johnson. What I do. An opinion piece over the weekend from the New York Times. (laughs) This is the headline. There has never been a better time to be short. Oh. That's right. Tall people are on the hot seat. Derek Johnson. Hot seat. Um, Does it say why? So basically this person, it's actually pretty wild. Part of oh, the, you, you don't say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so part of the... I did actually read the piece, first of all, because sometimes okay. with this stuff, I just go with the headline, then I just make up whatever else. I actually read, <laughs> I actually read the story. <laughs> Thank or you. I read the opinion piece. So basically, this woman who is the author of the piece uh, essentially does various things, and one of the things she claims is that uh, if you're shorter, you have a better chance of survival. Uh, as the world continues to increase in population, short people need less food, they need less stuff for energy, every, all that stuff. You can save, you can save money by being short. Uh, and she lists all these factors of why being short is better than being tall. Okay, sure. <laughs> I listen. I if you're the whole height thing is stupid to me one way or another because it, it is not something you really decide. It just happens. Well, okay, but I mean, I, the thing, the part of it is like, like one way or the other. Through through genealogy, though, like if we collectively as a society decided to stop reproducing with tall people oh my we would gosh. have short more short people all right it's official you are a tallest <laughs> i'm gonna cancel you because you are a tallest isn't that, isn't that awesome sure there's actually like a quite a bit of scientific research that goes into it also like there's some guy uh that was cited in the on the opinion piece that's like has done literally years of research on why short people are like better better off basically than tall people uh, again, another, like, uh, another one of the arguments is if you're tall, you have more cells in your body, which increases your chances of getting like cancer and stuff. Well, thank you. This makes me feel wonderful <laughs> to start out the day. KU comes from behind 15 on <clears throat> Oklahoma State, 45 to 30 at halftime, and they come back to win 69 67. Close game at the end. Um, Just the year of the comeback for 2022. Yeah. Put it in the books, finish hey, it with off. No tall people, basketball would be way less <laughs> oh my exciting. Gosh. Way less exciting. Do you think I could, if if there's a country <laughs> out there who like specializes in not having tall people, like if everybody was like five feet tall or below, 
Oh, but I would I love have, to hear about this this country because I could go there and be like, "There." Well, I have news for you. There's there, there there's is? a reference to this in the in the New York Times. Okay, article. now you've got my attention. It's uh, hold on, let me see if I can find it. Because if I can go there and be their Wilt Chamberlain, their Shaq, their whatever, just dominate them, and they think that I okay. am the greatest of all time. So there is, uh, hang on, there's an island, uh, a native island. Uh, let's see, where is it at? Does it say where this island is at? It just says uh, the island became separated. Where, where, I could have swore. Where is the story at? So it's just like a remote island somewhere. Uh, I was saying for years. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out where okay. it is. Okay, well, this is not good radio. So It just says after, three genera- after generations, people of the island evolved to reach only three and a half feet tall. Oh, yeah. So they could do everything bigger humans could do, make tools, hunt, and, but they could also stay alive when times got tough because they were small. Okay. Uh, I'm I'm posting them up. They ain't stopping me then. <laughs> Bring it on. If you're three and a half feet tall, what size hoop do you have to play on? I don't know. I might. They might be like, no, you're too big to play. Sorry. Yeah, because if if, playing if, on like if they're seven playing foot on hoop, a seven foot hoop, then that's not even fair. Standing and dunking. Yeah, that, that's not even. I mean, you're literally as tall as the hoop at that point. <laughs> that's not even fair. I'd get a lot of goaltend calls. That's for sure. Uh, but yeah, so Kansas. Kansas could use like a nine footer in the similar ilk to that, but yeah, they they come from behind. Uh, you have the the fifteen point comeback in Manhattan. You have the fifteen point comeback in the title game. Fifteen point comeback to close out the year on the final day of the year. Pretty fitting in that regard. Absolute clunker of a first half yep. for Kansas. Uh, the offense was very bad in the first half. You had eleven turnovers, which not good in any half of basketball. Yeah, I don't um, I don't really know how to explain it, but at at times the offense. It, they just feel like they just they just give the ball away too much. Yeah, yeah there's a lot of unforced. Yeah, because how many of those turnovers were just unforced. throwing the ball out of bounds, yeah. just trying to fit in a pass that wasn't yeah. quite there? And earlier in the season, I felt like the issue was they would just randomly try to throw lobs for no reason, and they would just go out of bounds, and that resulted in turnovers. But that wasn't really the case against Oklahoma State. I don't know. It was just just not fully mentally locked in. I guess. I mean, I don't know how else you I don't know how else you categorize those types of turnovers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I so don't. Those, those need to go away. They do, and they're they're just kind of careless and yeah, kind of unforced things. Um, Jalen just tried to kind of carry you across the finish line the first half. Like he had a good first half offensively, but even I mean, basically everyone out. Like Grady hit two big threes. Outside of that, like there was nothing from you else offensively. And I, I guess, and I think among many of the things that Jalen Wilson does for this team, that's kind of that's like a big chunk of his role. I would say mm-hmm. he's like. He's the guy you turn to when everybody else can't do anything, right? Like when Grady Dick can't get open or when they're face guarding him the whole game. When Dewan Harris is struggling, even though he's not really an offensive guy to begin with. When Kevin McCuller can't get shots. Like Jalen is just sort of the guy you turn to, I guess, because he's a senior leader of the team of, hey, go score when we need to go score, right? And that I think that can be a good thing, but it can also be a bad thing because if you rely on that too much, I think the other guys on the floor might just become complacent and say, "Okay, I'm going to give the ball to Jalen here, and I'm just going to get out of his way." Right? But that that's not that's not a recipe for long sustained success offensively. Well, if if he didn't kind of lug them along in the first half, they're they're probably down too much to be able to come back. So, um, they just they they were trying everything in that first half. Nothing was working defensively. You were getting lost. They were hitting all sorts of open threes. Bill Self was throwing out every lineup imaginable. Like you had lineups with. MJ Rice, Cam Martin, and I don't know, like very weird lineups that we might not ever see again the rest of this season. 
And then the second half, you found that spark. You, you picked it up defensively, and you overcame what could have been the Bryce Thompson revenge game. I asked the question on Friday. I mean, he tried really hard. I know. I said, are you worried at all about Bryce Thompson I having a revenge said, game? I think I said no. like, no. And then he just comes out and hits seven threes. Which I was looking earlier today. So he played in 20 games in his freshman season at Kansas. Okay. He hit eight three-pointers. Okay. I don't know how many games he played at home in that freshman season at Kansas, but I would imagine if he played 20 total, he probably played around 12 at home. In his home career as a Kansas Jayhawk, Bryce Thompson hit four three-pointers inside Allen Fieldhouse. Four. Wow. He hit seven of them on Saturday. <laughs> and some of them were, were tough shots. Yeah. I mean, really tough. Yeah, there were. it felt like the a lot of the ones in the first half were – Kansas trapping the post, and then they weren't quick enough rotating over and helping defensively, and he's getting wide-open threes. But by the time that him, and, and I think this goes for them as a team, by the time they kind of caught rhythm, because they were not a good three-point shooting team, but they were no. 9 of 18 in the first half. By the time they caught rhythm, they were even hitting the ones off the dribble, contested, yeah. late shot clock. Yeah, there was one in the second half where Jalen, I think, mm -hmm. had, him, had a hand right in his face, and he just buried it. Yes. And, yeah, I mean, it's just one of those things where it's like, this is just how it is when you're Kansas, right? You're going to get every team's A game, A plus game when they, especially when they roll down Fieldhouse. And I, I don't, I mean, I don't know how to explain that because I don't. Bryce Thompson may never do that again for the rest of the season. No, he might not. Um, he has been kind of an inconsistent shooter. He came in shooting thirty six percent, so he, he clearly had taken leaps there. But he was under forty percent from the field, so yeah, it might not happen again for for him this season. And it was almost the complete revenge game for him. But in the end. You have that great second half. The defense, I thought, was was pretty nails for you. I mean, the early part, I think they scored like five points in like a it was like a 10-minute stretch, something like yeah, that, Yeah, which allowed you to kind of chip they, back. They went on like a 15-2 to two run, I think. Yeah, start but it wasn't one half. of those like 15-2 to two runs where it was like an onslaught of points in like no, a minute span. No, it wasn't like blowing the roof off Allen Fieldhouse type no. run. It was just kind of a beat you down, yes. grind, run. But it was also weird because it was one of those things where it's like, oh, it's tied or it's a two-point game within several minutes after half. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of that weird balance between the two. Um, K.J. Adams had a big-time game, 14 points, struggled a bit in the first half, wasn't out there a ton. I think he was in foul trouble. Second half, he was so good. He didn't miss a shot. Hits an and one for you. He hits those push shots a couple times in the game. He hits the eventual game-winning shot for you on the kind of like pick and roll. Yep. He was really impressive. Which, by the way, did you think Bill Self, obviously it worked out for Kansas, but when KJ Adams has the ball driving down, it's a tie game with like 10 seconds left. Kansas had a timeout. Yeah. Bill Self could have called a timeout there. I think he said in the post game, which we'll play for you later in the show, um, if they were down one, he probably would have called it. But he was like, the fact that it was a tie game and that we had an open court, maybe broken court kind of situation, and Dewan Harris had the ball. It's like, okay, we'll just trust it. Just let it play out. Yeah. And I mean, it worked, obviously. It did. It did. He, it, they, they almost scored too quickly. Um, I, mean, I don't know. Would you classify that as a coach skill? Of like knowing when to and when late, not to, like late in a game, understanding when you just need to let your guys play or taking that timeout. Yes, I do think it is having the proper feel for the game. Like that, that absolutely is a coach skill. It also, though, is something where it's reliant on having good players. 
You know, yeah. if, but I guess that's part of the coach skill. If you know that you don't have players you can't trust, <laughs> you take the time out. Whereas he knows he has like a, a veteran point guard in Dewan Harris, yeah. so you can trust it. Um, so yeah, yeah, that is kind of like reading the room. Uh, tough day for Kevin McCuller, but I guess he had the last laugh. He hits the big three. That was really the biggest shot of the game, maybe before yep. the KJ Adams one. He has the big recovery block on the defensive side. Just great defense all game long. I'll be interested to see what he does tonight. We'll get more into that later in the show when we preview the Texas Tech game. Um, but yeah, it was, it was kind of it was interesting because like Jalen Wilson just kind of had a steady game all the way through. KJ was unbelievable in the second half, but. Really, the rest of your starters, it was a very hit-or-miss game. Dewan was great in the second half. He struggled in the first half. Uh, Grady Dick was pretty good in the first half. He hit those two big threes for you. He kind of disappeared, and then he doesn't see the floor for the final moments of that game. Instead, they went with Bobby Pettiford. And then, uh, but Grady Dick did lead you in rebounding. Yeah. In nine rebounds. Yeah, those two offensive rebounds he had, two in the, the second half that eventually led to threes were yeah. as big a place as anything in the game. Yeah. What did you think about some of the bench performances, though? Because there were several I thought, standout ones in, I in different ways. I thought Zuby was pretty solid. And I think Zuby maybe is close to entering the, the Bill Self circle of trust. I don't know. He's been the first big off the bench a couple times, played almost 10 minutes. Like, And again, when I say he's close to entering the Bill Self circle of trust, all I mean by that is he's the first big off the bench every game. And he yeah, plays, consistently. And, yeah, and he plays mm -hmm. 10 to 12 minutes a game. To me, that would qualify him as a... Bill Self yeah. circle of trust. Well, like Mitch Life last year was clearly in the Bill Self circle of trust. He played what fifteen minutes a game, maybe. <clears throat> By the way, I'm going to trademark the term Bill Self circle of trust. Okay. I'm going to say I I came up with that. <laughs> okay. okay, and then uh, Joe, listen, Joe is either pretty good or just bad, and there's no in between, and that that is not a recipe I think for him to continue to see sizable chunks of minutes. So he's gotta he's gotta figure out a way to to just be a little more consistent. Uh because in this game, what, I think he was two of six from the floor. He goes two of six, two six from three. But he had two threes. From the corner. Yep. I thought he was really good pressuring the ball. Like I thought when I mean, we're gonna talk to Matt Tate here in a little, and I'm curious what the difference is when Kansas doesn't play well versus when they do play well. But if one of those things is just getting like the energy level up, I thought he brought a lot of energy for you in the second half just yeah. with pressuring the ball. Well, and again, we've talked about it. Like we've we kind of expected that we thought MJ Rice would be that sort of spark plug yeah. energetic player. But I mean it could be Joe, I guess, right? Because MJ Rice, he's whatever is going on with him, he's just not there yet. No, I mean it's just there, it's, there's no traction being exactly. Gained. I mean it's it's. And it, the, I mean the less that he establishes traction, the more that's going to mean for Joe. You would think so, yes, because we've had this discussion. Like we kind of think it's going to be either Joe or MJ as like your next scorer off the bench. Yes. it probably isn't going to be both. So one of those guys, and I guess right now you'd have to give the edge to Joe. Have to. Because MJ again, you know we're we're out of practice. Obviously, we don't know what's going on, but he's just he's just not there. He's just mm -hmm. not there yet. And I mean, we I still have faith that he's going to get there. And I don't even really know what there means at this point. But it, whatever it is, it's it's not happening for him at the moment. Yeah, um, you say this all the time, though. Best part about winning ugly, winning. And best I part of winning ugly is winning. That's even more so for this game. It's. Uh, this might sound stupid. It's almost like when the the announcers go on and it's, and, and they're like, 
Well, it's not that you have to win the game. You just can't lose the game. So basically, I'm going to admit this is going to sound stupid when I say it, but um, the most important part of you winning that game was that you didn't lose it. So here's why. If you win that game, which you did, it's not like a huge notch in your belt. Oklahoma State's a good team. They might be an NCAA tournament team, but it's not like a you know top 15, top 10 win that you're going to be holding up on your NCAA tournament resume and saying, oh, can you believe we beat Oklahoma State by two points? No. Whereas if you lose the game, the impact on uh, that that would have on you trying to win the Big 12 would be so monumental. Yes. Because you would be losing a Big 12 home game. We say all the time, like, go undefeated at home. At the very least, go 8-1, and one, and then you'd have no more margin for error if you lose that. But also, your two games this week, at Texas Tech and at West Virginia. And if you lose to Oklahoma State, you could be sitting at 1-2 and two or 0-3. Oh and three. And then it's really, really tough to win the Big 12 at that point. Well, and just kind of to further drive that point home, uh, ESPN's Basketball Power Index has the ranks the toughest remaining schedules in the country. The top 10 teams with the toughest remaining schedules in the country, according to their BPI, all the Big 12 teams. <laughs> That's one so ridiculous. 10. Number one, TCU. Number two, Oklahoma. Number three, Iowa State. Number four, Kansas. Number five, Kansas State. Number six, Texas Tech. Seven, <laughs> Texas. Eight, Baylor. Nine, West Virginia. Ten, Oklahoma State. I'm, I'm almost surprised Kansas and obviously we're in, 10. We're in conference play, so they, we, they have to play. It's all each yeah. other. Well, I'm, I'm almost surprised Kansas isn't 10 because a lot of times, like you'll see Kansas football ends up near the top of the schedule. they don't have to play themselves. They, exactly. So for <laughs> Kansas basketball, it's the opposite, you know? <laughs> But that, yeah, that shows how tough it is. So they don't end up in a hole behind everyone, and now you go into this week going, eh, if we split the games, it's not the worst thing in the world. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. We're going to take a timeout. Matt Tate, Lawrence Journal World, joins us in less than 20 minutes. We got some KU basketball player post-game audio from the Oklahoma State game. That on the other side. Welcome back in to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson, joined now on a Tuesday by Matt Tate of the Lawrence Journal World, KUSports.com. You'll be able to catch all the action and recap whatever happens in tonight's game in Lubbock with Matt's work in the LJ world. Uh, first things first, you are currently traveling to Lubbock for the game. What is your go-to airport snack? <laughs> I like that. Um Go-to airport snack. It's going to sound kind of weird. Not really, I guess, but, but like probably most people don't think this, but definitely like they sell that little, uh, that little package in those Hudson stores or whatever they are, which is like the cheese cubes and grapes. Okay. Like the adult that. Lunchables, basically. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, 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 you know, if I've got time, I'll sit down at any, any food court of America and uh, house a meal. But if I don't have time... I, uh, the grapes and cheese, there's some protein there, a little bit of fruit. It just, it's light. It feels good. Feels it's, like, it's not one of those like things either that you bring on a plane. Decision. Yeah. It's not one of those things you bring on a plane where you like open it and then it smells bad. And somebody else is like, really? I got to sit next to this guy. <laughs> right. Right. No. Yeah. None of that. None of that. I don't, I don't like that either way. Honestly, if I'm the one responsible or, or if, uh, someone's doing it near me. Yeah. Okay, well, uh, on to basketball stuff. Uh, KU plays Texas Tech tonight, 8 o'clock, pregame 6.30 here on KLWN. Um, before we get to where we are, I guess uh, from where we just came, KU comes back uh, a 15-point deficit at halftime against Oklahoma State. Is there anything that sticks out to you when you view when this team plays well, like they did in the comeback or like we've seen them play so much in December, 
versus the times when it does not look good, like when they are down 15 to Oklahoma State or when they do lose a game to Tennessee or when they look a little more clunky. What maybe sticks out to you the most as being the biggest difference between why they look good versus why they don't? I think those guys would tell you that it's their energy, and and I think that that's probably right on the money. But I think, uh, you know, I'll kind of maybe extrapolate it out a little bit um, because energy is kind of a – how do you define it? What does it mean? It maybe means different things to different people. Um, and, and, you know, you can be playing hard and still have bad energy or low energy, right? But, um, but, but when you're turned up and you're playing with high energy and, and uh, doing that, it doesn't necessarily mean you play well either, right? Like you can get over-energized and, and get a little crazy. So um, I, I think what, what, as I've thought about that, because they, they keep saying that all year, that that's sort of the, the defining characteristic of, of – when they're on, it's because they've got good energy, and when they're off, it's because they don't. And and for me, what I've noticed about that is, I guess their definition, a little bit anyway, of, of what not, at least from what I've observed, is a, is is kind of a lot of guys standing around, looking for maybe Jalen to make a play, and somebody else to make a play, and you know, again, they, they could be playing hard, they could be defending, but. But I have noticed that there's that that element of just like, well, I'm not really going to go make this happen on my own. I'm going to stand around and wait for somebody else to do it. And uh, and and I don't think that's the best thing you can do by any means. I mean, I think that's like a a really bad trait for a team or a player to have. And, and so I think you saw a lot of that against Oklahoma State in the first half. You saw, you know, they they were all standing around, even even guys that you would expect to maybe go make plays. They weren't doing it either. So um, I think that's why it clicked so well in the second half because they all realized it. And collectively, they all decided, well, I'm tired of standing around waiting for him to make a play or I shouldn't be doing that. I should go do something. And they all decided to go do something. And then that led to what we saw and, and that incredible surge and, and comeback and, and, and just a really, really great second half. So to me, that's, that's you know, no energy with this team, this specific group kind of means – standing around waiting for somebody else to do something. The Big 12 is is clearly at this point the class of college basketball. So I guess as we get into conference play, just how many conference games does Kansas need to win, you think, to win the Big 12 title? I mean, could they possibly win it with 10 or 11 wins in conference? Oh, man, that's a tough question because it is so loaded and how do we know who's what and what, what it's going to shake out like. I mean, if you look at, I think it's the net rankings that have them. All ten teams are in like the top forty-six or something, forty-four somewhere in there. I mean that that's insane. Uh, it really, really is. And uh, you know, I don't think that's going to change because not from here on out, they're playing each other, and that generally only helps your net ranking. You're playing quality opponents, and you're getting quad one wins if you win, and things like that. So I don't know that that's going to change much. You know, you'd have to have a team completely fall apart. Um, maybe lose five in a row or something, which could happen. But, um, gosh, I haven't thought so far out about that. I, I still think it'll take 12 or 13 probably. Um, you know, 12 and 6 is a is – a, I mean, that hasn't even sniffed winning it most years. So um, I, don't, I don't know that you can count on 10 or 11, but maybe. I mean, if ever there were a year where that could happen, it certainly seems like this could be that year. Uh, but I still think you know the, the the goal. If you're trying to trying to set a goal, if you're any of those teams, is probably let's 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 get to twelve for sure and see what happens. Maybe twelve and six is enough this year. 
And then at that point, if you feel like you can, you know, steal one or two and get to 13 or 14, you, you probably feel real good about your chances then. But, um, 14 and four, man, that sounds like a really good record in that league right now. But hey, if there's anyone that can do it, it's probably Kansas. Uh, they just have a knack, right? And they, they find a way and, and, they don't lose games in the Big 12 very often, and they win games they shouldn't. And, you know, that might have been what Saturday was. I mean, that, that was a perfect example of, of what this team's made of and how on a day where the other team plays well enough to win and probably should win, this group has the, the, the guys, the experience, the head coach, the veterans, et cetera, to, to just go out and find a way. And uh, for that reason alone, I think I think it's it's very possible that you know they could get to thirteen or fourteen. Anything beyond that, probably pretty crazy. Um, but we'll we'll find out tonight, right? I think that's a that's a big part of this. I mean, if they go win tonight and they, they've got a good road win and a tough environment, a good home win, and all of a sudden you're thinking, okay, I mean they're not going to run the table. But um, on the flip side of that, if they lose tonight, then you you start thinking, yeah, maybe eleven or twelve. So. Talk to me next week, Nick. I want to answer that one again. Uh, it's too. It's long story short. It's too early. Let me let me say that as my official answer. Well, now that we are in the year of twenty twenty three, non con over outside of Kentucky, gotten wow. to see a, a first conference game. Um, what to you to this point? From maybe if you were talking to you know preseason, Matt, uh, what would have been the biggest surprise for you about this team, or maybe how this season has gone? Okay, uh, love that question. I, you know, I, I am surprised that the big men haven't done better. I, I thought there was a lot of talk in the summer and, and preseason about uh, Ernest and Zuby both being ahead of where they thought they would be. And, and then also everybody kind of thought that Zach would, would be a player, you know, and he hasn't shown that yet. And those guys haven't really shown it consistently either. So that would have surprised me. But I'll be honest, I mean, Jalen doing what he's doing would have surprised me. I mean, did I think he could be their leading scorer? Sure. Did I think he was going to have a good year? You bet. I mean, but it's the way he's done it. His numbers are insane. I mean, he's averaging 21 points a game. Even on games, even during games when he doesn't play well, you look at the end and he's got 20 somehow, you know, and, and, and that kind of comes back to what I was just talking about with this team. And he is this team, right? I mean, he's their leader. He's their face. Um, just finding a way to get it done. And uh, I, I think, was it the Harvard game that he closed out that way? Um, where, where he didn't play very well at all, and he scored like 11 points in the last six minutes and, mm-hmm. and put the team on his back and closed the game. I don't know if that was – I think that was that game. Yeah, it was uh, the Harvard game, and, and Self okay. said after the game, last five minutes looked like an All-American. I'm paraphrasing. There you go, but. right. Yeah, yeah. and prior to that looked like trash. I mean, no energy, uh, shot the ball poorly, et cetera, et cetera. So um, I think that, that – as much as I thought he was going to have a good season, I don't know that I expected him to follow in that Fred Mason, Devontae Graham, Ochai Abaji sort of, you know, you wait your turn and then, and then it's your time and you go. Uh, I don't know that I thought he was quite on that level. And, um, you know, in a lot of ways, and, and maybe I mean that just as a score, because in a lot of ways he's been that guy. You know, he's a big-time rebounder and he was so big for them last year. And, and played that role so well. But, but to be a guy that can then jump up to, to score 21 a game, and, and you know, he's got, he's got 17, 18 really tough games left to, uh, to finish that with that kind of average. And, and I don't know that anybody expects that he will, but 
I think it's definitely more possible standing here today than, than I would have thought, you know, six, eight weeks ago. So um, that, that would have surprised me. There's no doubt about that. You touched on the, the kind of the big man question there as part of that as well. And Zuby Edgefor has kind of been the first guy off the bench. He played almost 10 minutes in their, in their most recent game. I guess, do you think he Zuby Edgefor is close to maybe entering Bill's quote-unquote circle of trust as being maybe the next guy or the, or the second big man off the bench? I think he's really close. I think he's got one thing that he needs to do to, to, to fully get there, and that's just be aggressive, man. How many times has he been thrown the ball and everyone in the building knows he should have gone up immediately and dunked it, and he either was a step slow getting there or he had to gather first and then it threw everything off? I mean, if he just, if he just pins his ears back a little bit and just plays more turned up, I, I, think, I think that'll lead to some really good things and some really easy baskets. And, and and after that, I think then you're probably talking about he's he's there, he's in that regular rotation and and in the circle as you call it. But uh, but but you know it's it's a lot easier for me to sit here and tell you that than it is for a kid playing college basketball at this level for the first time to just go flip that switch and do it. I mean that, that that's asking a lot. But he's had now 13 games, 14 after tonight to kind of get enough of a feel for it. So. If he's honestly looking at his game, and I, I, you know they're watching film and you know they're breaking down everything, if he's really doing a song, strong and serious assessment of where he's at, that's got to be something that jumps out at it. He's got to just look and go, God, I should have dunked that. Oh, my gosh, that should have been an easy bucket. Oh, you know, And just constantly seeing that game after game after game. And at some point, I, I think you just say, okay, I'm done. I'm, I'm just going to go. I'm just going to go crazy. And uh, maybe going crazy gets you on the bench because maybe it means you foul three or four times and, and, and then you're a mess. But I, I think if he can do it offensively, I think, I think uh, yeah, I think big, not, not big minutes necessarily, but, but more consistent minutes are in his future. So who do you think, if, if we were to fast forward to a you know, random game in March when, when things are really buckling down for KU, who do you envision playing more minutes in that specific game? And I know it's different because the center position, there's just less minutes to go around because it's one position, whereas if you're a wing, you can play multiple. So factor that in as well. MJ Rice or Zuby Edgefer? I still think MJ. Um, I, I think they are getting to the point where they're comfortable playing with KJ and starting to rely on him and, and the way they're playing with him as, you know, hey, he's sort of this undersized big man, but we're going to go make it work type of thing. And I think they're getting comfortable with that. Um, you know, we'll see. Like, tonight will be a good test for him in that way. Um, the other night was a good test with Cissé. Uh, the Trace Jackson Davis game was a good test. But, you know, he's passed two of those now, right? And so I think the more they continue to see things like that, the more comfortable they are committing to this, you know, okay, he's our guy. And would it be nice if Zuby or Ernest or somebody comes? Yeah, sure, it would, but. We're no longer like praying for it or hoping, you know, whatever. So I think that, that because of that, I, I think that, you know, MJ, MJ has a chance to maybe get a few more weeks here where you're, you're kind of toe in the water and, and just getting a little bit of a feel for how do I settle in? How can I, how can I calm down? How can I actually find my groove? And, and if he does it, and it's a big if right now, but if he does that, um, th- then I think his minutes go up significantly over the final five or six weeks of the season. And if he doesn't, then, you know, um, 
then then this has all been wasted breath and I've bored you both to death and you're going to hate me forever for even talking like this. But I, I still think he's got it in him and, and, and I think they, uh, they're probably leaning toward just committing to this uh, wing-heavy, high-intensity, up-and-down-the-floor style, and, and, and he could fit right into that if he can just get a little more comfortable. I would never never hate you forever, so you don't have to worry about that, Matt. Um, ah, it's huge news. <laughs> huge news. KU takes on <laughs> Texas Tech tonight and first road Big 12 game for KU and uh, certainly a tough place to play. Certainly the, the storyline with Kevin McCuller going back home what are kind of your thoughts on this game and, and how these two teams match up? Yeah, I can't wait to see that, I'll be honest with you. I mean, after watching what this fan base did when Chris Beard came back last year, and they're out there surrounding the bus and booing him, you know, when he basically hit city limits and, and all of that. I mean, um, that was maybe a little different because it was the coach, it was the leader, it was it was your guy, you know. He he was responsible for the whole culture that of winning that they built there and and to see that leave and to leave for Texas, I mean, that, that obviously hurts. But, you know, I think the fans probably think the same in some degree about about Kevin. Um, you know, it's one thing for him to leave, but to go to Kansas, I, I just can't imagine they're, they're at all okay with that. And so um, in, in talking to a few people, Kevin may have caught a little bit of a break because it is still winter break, right? And uh, yeah. all the students, are, are are probably not there. I mean, a lot of them may be, but but not not as if it was a late February game or something. So maybe he caught a break there. Um, but I still think most people are expecting it to be to be pretty vicious tonight. And I think he knows that. And I think he's probably ready for it. Um, it'll be really interesting to see if he stays within himself and, and kind of, you know, remains calm through that. Because, of course, he wants to go down there and win. And, of course, he would like to be fire, a part of that, you know. But the cool thing about Kevin McCullough is he's not the kind of guy that, that you know, needs to go get a bunch of points to feel good about his game. He, he can do things that, that impact winning that don't necessarily show up or aren't real loud on the stat sheet. And, and so I think that uh, I think the odds are that he'll play pretty well. But, but it's a tough matchup. Um, you know, this is going to be a really tough grind for, for Grady Dick. Um, you know, Bobby Pettiford. Joe Yusefu, I mean, all those guys that, that we've just kind of seen in, in sort of smaller roles so far. They don't have the, the, the experience of, of the roles they're playing in right now. Um, you know, if DeWan Harris picks up two fouls uh, in the first 10 minutes again or, or whatever, and, and Bobby's got to play a lot or Joe's got to play a lot, are those guys ready for this defense and, and on the road and, and all of that? I mean, we don't really know the answer to that yet. So I, I think it's uh, – I think it's a really tough matchup. Um, Texas Tech was ranked at the beginning of the season for a reason. And, you know, their losses are good losses. It's nothing like that. I, I, I just think that this is a huge opportunity for them to sort of reestablish themselves and their season and, and kind of remind everybody, hey, you know, we're still here. We're still a contender. So I, I think Kansas has to play really well. Um, Jalen and Dewan have to be really good. Um, they do, they do allow three-point shots if you can be disciplined and patient and move the ball and things like that. And so I wonder, coming off the game they had the other day, what they shoot the other day against Oklahoma State, 40-something percent, right, um, from three-point range. I mean, I feel like if they can kind of tap into that again, that could be a key factor tonight. Um, and, and then, you know, of course, taking care of the ball is a factor every game. But I think it, it definitely 
jumps out as a big factor in this one both ways, really. I mean, um, Texas Tech, I think, turned it over 23 times against TCU the other day. So as much as they're known for their defense, if Kansas can, can get its defense going and have that energy and, and turn up early and create issues for, for the Texas Tech offense, you can run down and get some easy baskets, and then it makes playing against that defense a heck of a lot easier. So uh, tough, tough matchup, you know, in, in my opinion, a really great first road test in the Big 12 because you're not at Texas, you know, you know you're not in the teeth of it right yet, but you're also not at, you know, a, a bottom-tier type of team where, where maybe it's, it's not fully representative of what you're going to see. This is the team that was picked to finish fifth in the preseason poll, and there's, they've won 29 in a row at home. Mark Adams has not lost at home as the head coach of Texas Tech. And uh, so, you know, that says a lot right there. And and Kansas fans know very well what not losing at home is all about and what that means. So um, it, it, it it's a big game, man. I mean, it, you know, I know it is only January 3rd, but it is a big freaking game. Well, you'll be able to recap and catch up whatever happens with Matt Tate. You can follow him on Twitter at MC Tate. You can also find him in the LJ world at KUSports.com with KU taking on Texas Tech tonight. Matt, appreciate the time. Safe travels. All right, man. I'm going to go grab some cheese cubes. Appreciate you. <laughs> that was Matt Tate of the Lawrence Journal World, KUSports.com, joining us here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. One hour down, two to go with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson, Chiefs Talk, and uh, some of the Monday Night Football stuff next. <laughs> Four o'clock hour, our first show of 2023. We will preview the Kansas-Texas Tech game in the five o'clock hour. Got some more audio to get to as well. If you're looking for the perfect destination for your next social or corporate gathering, Venue 1235 has you covered. Located right off I-70 and five minutes from downtown Lawrence, Venue 1235 is a large climate-controlled event space with a catering kitchen, private suite, and a covered patio. Before we get into our Chiefs recap, I uh, should probably talk about the game that happened last night. And DeMar Hamlin, um, the defensive back for the Buffalo Bills, takes kind of a helmet to the chest. Didn't seem like any crazy unorthodox hit. And then he goes to the ground, gets up for a split second, and then he kind of stumbles to the ground and, and clearly at that point was not okay. They had to to bring out ambulance onto the field they did cpr they did the uh i forget the official name for it but basically the shocking with the paddles onto him they had to intubate him at the hospital he at one point it was reported that he had a pulse but that uh he wasn't breathing on his own i don't know what the current status is outside of he is in critical condition at the hospital and so he's trying to battle through this um and just make it out with his life and and very, very sad scene. You, you see the players out on the field with Josh Allen, and I think that was really the realization. Like, at first it was, okay, a player's down, and everybody's seen it before the player goes down. They bring the, the cart out or the player's out because it's a really bad leg injury or, or a really bad concussion. We, we've seen that happen, and it's very sad, and it's scary, and it's not something you want, but also it's something where you've grown a little bit more accustomed to it because we see players come back from that. And at the end of the day, a lot of times those can maybe be injuries, like in the case of the leg stuff, where it's like that really sucks and you feel bad for the guy, but he's going to live. He's going to make it out of this and he might play again next season, right? With a situation like last night, as soon as they cut back from break and you could see the players' reactions of looking like legitimately somebody just died in front of them, it was... 
it was I I don't even know how to describe it uh, of that watching and it just it just kind of it put a damper I think on on everyone's mood last night for good reason and was just kind of a realization of how dangerous this sport can be and and that you hope this this kid's okay yeah I mean I think there's a there's a difference kind of like what you said there's a difference between a guy suffering a, a serious injury of some kind like that versus a guy literally stop breathing on the field right and uh, it's just uh, it's it's incredible it's something that's that's never been seen before really certainly in, in our lifetimes I mean it's it was you know it, the scenes were just remarkable and I, honestly I thought I thought Bird McFarlane the ESPN guys I thought they did a great job of of carrying through that right I mean yeah. it's just something you can't plan for you can't expect like yeah, the the whole thing was just surreal and and obviously hope he's okay and hope that he can he can pull through but yeah, it's a really scary situation and obviously absolutely I think the right decision was made to suspend the game, right? I mean, I don't think you can expect anybody no, no chance. To, to try to shake that off and go out and do their job, whether it's football, whether it's any other job, right? I mean, besides like literally going to war, like you just can't expect a, people to shake that off. No. Uh, so the right decision was made, and and obviously there's been a lot of discussion about the ramifications of that in terms of the rest of the league, but none of that matters. I mean, none of that matters right now. Yeah, At yeah. I mean, not for the time being. No, you're right. There there are a lot of questions, and I have no idea what they do because they, this does create a because that obviously yeah. was a very big game that was going to have a lot of implications on what happened. But you're right. Um, the bigger deal is is you hope Demar Hamlin's okay and. You know, you hope that like there was a kind of similar situation last year in uh, soccer at the Euros, the the Euro twenty twenty two, where uh, Denmark uh, soccer player Christian Eriksen collapsed on the field, just untouched, just collapsed. And I forget what happened with that one. I think they, I think the game that happened, if I'm not mistaken, the game that was during like the day, and I think they ended up resuming the game. Like they did about an evening. hour later, because they heard back at the hospital that he was like that he was condition. he was okay enough that he was like you know he was going to live and everything. And with this one, him being in critical condition, you just hope for that to happen. So it's kind of a waiting game, but we hope to see good news at at some point here because certainly that captivated and, the sports world. And uh, you saw some some very positive things come out of it too. The yeah, uh, the, the toy the, drive, the toy drive that yep. went up that that. I don't even know what it's at now. Last I checked, I it was, it was like over 3 million. like yeah, it was over yeah. three million dollars in donations to yeah. to the toy drive that he had. That coming into, I think it had like twenty five thousand dollars of donations. Yeah, that, or that was like the goal. Yes, and obviously way over it. Mm-hmm. So uh, again, we'll just yeah. hope no, for I, the best. I think you know something like this is terrible as it is. It, it does it does kind of remind you of the of the great humanity that is you know people around this game and people that truly care for each other. I mean even even just like from the Bengals perspective, right? Players going over and and you know and Zach Taylor and Sean McDermott having that conversation of hey, you know this 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 game does not need to be played right now. Mm-hmm. Right? Like I that I think that that speaks highly to the the level of integrity of of the players and and of you know just people caring for, caring for one of their own or just caring for a guy who is now fighting for his life. Yeah. One hundred percent. So tough to kind of transition from that to talking about something else, but we're gonna try to do it right now anyway. Uh, Kansas City Chiefs also played over the weekend, and I guess now we don't really know what their path to being the one seed is going to look like. If 
they end up calling that game off or calling it a tie, then the Chiefs would be in a win and you're the one seed situation this Saturday against well, the Raiders. But I think if they if it goes down as a tie, I don't think that's the case. I think if the Bills were then to win against the Patriots, they would be the one seed. I don't think that's so think, right. No, it would have to be a no contest. I think. No, I think if it's a tie, the Chiefs would be ahead because really? the Chiefs are uh, the Chiefs are thirteen and three right now. Correct. Yeah. The Bills would be twelve three and one. Okay. So the Chiefs would have the better win percentage and Even more if wins. It's just a tie. Yeah, if there's a tie. So. Uh, yeah. So I, I don't know, and I I mean. But we, we have no idea. A, yeah, obviously it's a brutal situation. So yeah. Um, I don't know. I. I will say is it. Regards to this Saturday's game against the Raiders, which that got moved from Sunday to Saturday, it continues to be scary to me that I don't know. It's it's, it's almost it's it's kind of frustrating that you go into every week now and you just like assume okay it's going to be another close game because the, the Chiefs are just specialists at playing with their food. We saw it again against the Broncos on Sunday. Um, kind of a weird game defensively where you felt like. Yeah, at times, like, oh, the defense is dominating. And then all of a sudden, like, you fumble a punt and you give up a touchdown and you look at the scoreboard and you're like, well, the defense has given up points, but then you make big stops at the end. Um, you still, though, Russ cooked more against you than clearly any other team that you played. The offense just completely sputtered at the start of the third quarter and it was like, what is wrong with Patrick Mahomes? He's just missing players. I, I cannot explain why the Chiefs cannot just, like, put these teams away. I really can't. It's just what the Chiefs do, man. This is what they do. But that's I the mean, thing. What you're saying, to me, doesn't give me it doesn't give me cause for concern for the playoffs because we've seen this before. This is just what they do. Yeah, so uh, it's I, I frustrating, I but it's accepted. Talked about it last week. The Chiefs' defense thinks the Chiefs' defense is good. <laughs> yes. And again, Period. I thought they actually played Period. a pretty good game. Yeah, they, they think they're good. I mean, if you take out the the fumbled punt, they only give yep. up 17 points. You made the big stop at the end. The pass yep. rush was good. Yep. And and if you add in less special teams mistakes, not just the fumbled punt, but other special teams makes for yourself, like if Harrison Bucker the makes a long snap. field goal or the fumbled snap, yeah. you make a PAT, then it's even a different situation at the end of that game. Maybe it's 31-17 to 17 and you're not even having to worry about any of it and then we're sitting there going, oh, these are back-to-back wins where you just completely controlled the game. And and yeah. if you look at like the yards, you go back to the Texans game where they like doubled up in yards. You look at the Seahawks game. You look at this Broncos game. They're like dominating these games. They're just making too many mistakes. Yeah. Which is scary on one end because are you all of a sudden going to be able to flip the switch on special teams mistakes and turning the ball over? In the postseason, maybe. I am but if a, you're not, you're screwed. I am officially concerned about the special teams. I'm I would, very concerned. I'd like to make an official statement right now, 4.14 p.m. Central Time, January 3rd, 2023. <laughs> I am concerned. Okay. That's my statement. I am concerned about the special teams. I am very concerned. I, I kind of like, wonder. What is going on? And, and maybe this doesn't matter. Maybe the fact that you have Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. Well, do you remember earlier in the year when I was like, you know, this is what happens. Oh, the Chiefs are dominating. Patrick Mahomes literally throws a pass to himself. The Chiefs are <laughs> dominating. Mahomes is making these incredible plays. Look at him go. And you, and, and then you look at the score. Oh, 13 to 10. Chiefs are up 13 to 10. Like, like that's just what they do. That's just what they do. It just scares me in a, a when you're not playing a, a cruddy team. Of course, the Chiefs in the divisional round or something could put together a game where they don't have the special teams mistakes or the turnovers. 
But if you're going to win a Super Bowl, that means you have to win either three or four consecutive games against good opponents. Are you going to be able to string together that mistake-free type of football for each of those games? And that's kind of getting to the point where I have questions about it because it feels like to me this team is just being propped up. I mean, to me, this stuff should be even more reason that Patrick Mahomes wins MVP. But, like, (laughs) I just wonder if they have too many fatal flaws. Special teams, turnover issues. I can solve all of your special teams problems right now. Okay. Ready? Go for two every touchdown. Never put a man back to field any punts or kickoffs, and voila. Your special teams problems are basically solved. I don't think punts. that solves that. Well, okay, one. The first day, first the the reasonable response to that, Is and that, I'll give this stupid. now, it's never going to happen, oh, yeah, and Andy Reid would never do and, it. Yeah, yeah. I actually don't think it's stupid for the two-point conversion part. Um, now, maybe you run out of two-point well, plays. Yeah, exactly. You saw that happen. You just have to have enough two-point plays. Yeah. Uh, but. As far as the punt return thing, it's annoying because just if, if you never put a guy back to return a punt, you're going to lose so many yards over the course of a game. It doesn't matter. It you does. have Mahomes. I, it doesn't matter. But, like, you're saying if, if – let's say the other team punts, what, four times in a game? If sure. you never put a guy back to return, that's going to probably total up to be somewhere between, like, 60 and 80 I yards. I don't care. That, I is, have Mahomes. that is a full drive don't over care. the course of a game. We have that could be the difference in one score. Doesn't matter. I don't know. That, that doesn't does work. not matter. If you don't have That's somebody Mahomes. back to return the kick, what if they just pooch kick it and it stops at the 15 and then they recover it? That's great. That's I love great? That. Yes. That's, you love That's that? Awesome. Yes. What? Start at the 15 every drive. I don't care. No, no. The other team gets the ball. What are you talking about? They pooch kick it. You have nobody back to return it. It just bounces on a at the punt, 15 and the 10 yard line. No, a kick. A kick return. You said nobody back on kick return. No, no, no. Only punts. Okay, you said you nobody put a back, guy on, back kick on kick return. So you're just so okay. The guy on kick return, fair catch his job every is time. to stand or, or there kneeling. and not okay. catch it. That's fine. That's fine. Uh, no, don't don't put anybody back on a punt. Well, at least they didn't do what USC did. We'll we'll get to some college football talk. Uh, but yeah, man, I the special team seems pretty irredeemable at this point. Does it not? It's bad. It's bad. I mean, Dave Tobe. I mean, he's got to be gone after this season. I would think, especially if they have more errors in the playoffs that like. Kind of cost them. One like, would think. But remember, the Bob Sutton thing hung on like two extra years than we, we probably thought it could have. Nah. Nah. I just, I have my doubts, I guess is my point. Well, I'm officially concerned. Yes, I'm very concerned. By the way, wild stat. Travis Kelsey, no touchdown since November 27th. That is wild stat. That seems wrong. not have a touchdown since November 27th. He just he he was like a bear who uh, stored up all his food and then he went into hibernation and then he's gonna come back out of hibernation for the playoffs and catch seventeen touchdowns. Well, what's funny about that is normally like normally what happens is in my mind I'll look at a player and be like, dude, this guy hasn't done anything like the past month, and then look at his stats and he's got like a touchdown in every game and hundred yards <laughs> in every game, right? Here I'm like, dude, Travis Kelsey's god, he's doing everything. This guy's elite. He's the best tight end of all time. He hasn't had a touchdown since number twenty seventh. What are we doing? Uh, that's certainly interesting. Well, that's because Jarek McKinnon is just a touchdown machine. I know. Well, so is that the opposite? Have you been like Jarek McKinnon? I don't know what, to, what this guy's doing on the field. Well, and then I mean, but th- the thing about that is, like, you can't even ignore it. Like, he just scores yeah, he every does. time he gets the ball. You can't even ignore it. I I think he's the best receiver of all time. There's, there's, no, I mean, there's no no debate about it. He has, what, eight receiving well, his, touchdowns? Well, his touchdown to reception rate is, like, what? Incredible. Insane. <laughs> I mean, he gets a touchdown every, like, two catches. It it has been such a good one two punch with Pacheco and McKinnon. It's it's been <clears throat> so good for this team. Yep. And yeah, I mean Jet he he really is on a team that has Travis Kelsey and then a bunch of like Juju's like, a good receiver. Pretty decent receiver. But yeah, it's it's like it's like Travis Kelsey like, and then Juju's like, good and then a B-tier bunch of like, decent receivers. receivers. Yeah, yeah exactly. a bunch of B tier receivers. Where they're like they're 
they're good guys to have as your like number three, great guys to have as your number four, you know, solid even if they hit their potential to be the number two. Uh, Jet McKinnon might be their second best receiver. <laughs> Maybe. Hey, but Kadarius Tony came back. He he shot down my my theory. And then he fumbled. But uh, that's fine. We're going to ignore that part. Yeah. It By the way, the uh, Hawkman wants to know, if the Chiefs don't put someone back to field a punt, is there an extra man to block the punt? Yes. 11 man. So now man, they're all of a sudden an 11 elite, man elite full, punt team. Just punt block. <laughs> block every. See, look at that. If you don't put a man back, but you block every punt, huh? who's the real winner there? I will give you that. If they could guarantee me they're going to block one punt a game, and then you make up for it by your losing See, now 60 you're, to 80 oh, yards oh, you're in you're losing game. 60 to 80 yards. You're not losing crap. Because but if you, you make up it all back, but you have punt. to get the block, and then what if you run into the punter and he gets it away? Well, just don't That's have him be fourth and longer than five. Okay, you're fine. Okay. Um. Yeah. Kadarius <laughs> yeah, Tony and Jeff McKinnon. I'm I'm excited to see McCole Hardman back too, so that they have kind of the full arsenal of of the weapons offensively. Yep. Even without the Kelsey touchdown, though, they they get all the tight ends involved, which is nice. They do. Blake Bell. Yep. They four different tight ends who have a receiving touchdown this year. You rarely see that anymore, especially in today's NFL. Yeah, Maybe and I mean, the, I'm sure Andy Reid is just salivating at the number of random screen pass, shovel pass stuff he can run with, oh, those, with four tight ends. Yeah, how long before Blake Bell has his first QB sneak attempt? Is he going to come this week? Mm, I know it's dependent maybe. on the situation. It has yeah, to be. Uh, maybe. Hey, did you see what the Bears did in their game? Uh, in what regard? Okay, so Justin Fields was in the shotgun. Oh yeah, and he took. They a brought the guy. Pitch, they yeah. brought the tight end, and I think it was Komet. They brought him in t- motion. He takes a snap under center. Everybody's thinking QB sneak for the tight end. And then yeah. pitches it to, to field. Genius. I thought that was awesome. That was genius. But for See, a now team Chiefs that, do that, but then have a guy running like a post say, route and Mahomes will throw it to Yes, him. yes. You can't have Patrick Mahomes. Like, uh, this is a team that won't let Patrick Mahomes run QB sneaks anymore. You think they're going to let him run a halfback toss? No, so you run halfback <laughs> toss, but, but then yes, he I love throws that. It. That is a genius idea. So it's a it's a double trick play. You make it look like you're gonna hey, Blake it. Bell's going to take Blake QB Bell's sneak. It. Then he pitches to Mahomes, and then he throws it over the post route. Wait, no. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. No, 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 no. You send, you know, somebody fast. Blake Bell. You don't think he's fast? Faster he's than probably, you and me. He's probably faster than me. Yeah. Maybe the biggest takeaway for me, though, is just that George Karloftis continues to kind of stay on a roll. He had yet another sack. He. Yeah. He's good. He's very good. Um. They need this to continue into the playoffs and Desperately, yes. there really has been a theme this year of the Chiefs against bad offensive lines picking up the most of their stats. They're like, they're like a basketball team who when they play a bad team they beat them 100 to 50 and then they they lose to a good team and it's like well but at the end of the day they have five guys averaging 20 points per game you know so like the total stats look a lot better than maybe they are but that's going to be the key but if he keeps that up that is such a huge boon to this defense. And overall, the rookies have, have really just done well. Yeah, I mean, I mentioned it earlier in the season. The Chiefs, certainly when they uh, – who did they get rid of? One of their – oh, Fenton. Certainly when they got rid of Fenton, it was like, okay, these guys are all in on their Gosh, rookies. Gosh, I totally forgot about that. Like, all in mm-hmm. on their rookies. Like, at the time, I was like, okay, this is like a serious gamble. Like, you must be really, really confident in your scouting and in your, and in your personnel training and practice and stuff like – Wow, that's you know that's a that's huge, right? And shot and so far it's actually paid off. Paid off. I mean they 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 pulled aces up their sleeves with McDuffie. Even with even with the injury, McDuffie's come back and he's been one of the top top probably top fifteen corners in the league. Maybe Josh Williams has been good. Even still Jaylen looking Watson. for that first interception though, but he even, did get a fumble. Forced fumble. 
Uh, Trent McDuffie. McDuffie? Okay. Yeah, yeah. there's a stat you brought up last week. But he oh, they didn't the, have any strip sack, yeah. forced fumble. Yeah. Yeah. And then Josh Williams. And obviously, you have Legere Sneed, who's not a rookie, but still a younger player. Carl Loftus. And even Jalen Watson, when McDuffie was injured, he had to step up. Like, I mean, they, and they need, like, mm-hmm. like you mentioned, they need it desperately. Yeah. They and need it desperately. In the the, the Sneed thing has been an interesting development, too, because it appears that now they're, over this back half of the season, they're basically readjusting to where Sneed is covering the, the big receiver, the good big receiver. Like he was going to cover Mike Williams till he got hurt. He uh, covered DK Metcalf. He covered um, Cortland Sutton in the game. And then they're basically having like Trent McDuffie shadow, which would tell you if they play the Bengals, it's probably going to be Sneed on Higgins. It's probably going to be Trent McDuffie on Jamar Chase as opposed to Joshua Williams on T. Higgins. And yeah. whoever else, so uh, that's certainly something that's uh, interesting. As yeah, because you assume you're going to have to play either the Bills or the Bengals, so you're going to have to deal with, you know, Stephon Diggs plus Gabe Davis on one side, or T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, mm-hmm. you know, or maybe and both. even you might play the Chargers with Keenan Allen and and Mike Williams. Yeah, yeah, that'd be annoying. <laughs> well, we'll see. I would be uh, annoyed by that. Chiefs Raiders next game on Saturday. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Let's uh, switch to the college side of things, talk about the college football playoff and uh, the New Year's Six that happened over the weekend. This is RCST. College football playoff action over the weekend. We also had the uh, New Year's Six going on, and that was the greatest college football playoff semis that we've had just yet. Was this collectively one of the best bowl seasons we've had? It's been really in a, fun. In a while? It's been really fun. Uh, you think back to even some of the smaller bowls, like, yeah. for instance, the Kansas-Arkansas one, right? Yeah, yeah. New Year's Six is mostly, well, I don't know. New Year's Six outside of the playoff has actually been kind of crud outside of uh, the Tulane-USC game. Um, but, yeah, there's been a lot of really good bowls so far this season. Yeah. And... I guess my biggest question coming off that game, how did Kansas hold TCU to 38 points? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> TCU could not actually. be stopped. Okay. They couldn't be stopped, but they also had two pick sixes and a phantom overturned TD reception that led to a fumble on the next play that they then scored off of. Fair. So they really couldn't be, quote-unquote, not stopped. It's too bad. TCU paid off the refs only to have Georgia pay off the refs next game, right? <laughs> That's going to happen. TCU's going to get screwed next game by something. I just expect that to happen. I mean, that that touchdown call was 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 bad. Yeah, I don't know how they one missed of the worst that. in history. Yeah, and like, I'd be curious really bad. if you just, I don't know, ripple effect it. Like, how does that affect over the course of the game, right? Oh, it affects everything. But certainly you throw two pick sixes as a quarterback, and it's like, eh, you're probably not going to win many of those games. Yeah. For Michigan side of it. Uh, for Michigan, I wonder if, because now there's talk of, which feels like it happens every offseason now, but I, I remember last offseason, it was like Jim Harbaugh to the Vikings was like going to happen. And then last minute, something, I don't, I don't know if he backed out or the Vikings, whatever. Yeah. It seems like he is talking to different teams. That I, I just saw okay. a report of him with the Panthers. I could, I could actually see him taking the Denver Broncos coach and actually fix, fixing Russell Wilson. That would be a disaster. Okay, but can I just – I just need to get something mm-hmm. off my chest. But I, anyway, what I was going to say with Michigan is oh, that, okay. like, I, I feel like this little run is about to come to a crash. You think so? If, if okay. Jim Harbaugh leaves, too. As it relates to Jim Harbaugh, I just need to get something off my chest. This is really silly. Okay. But it, it nags me. 
Jim Harbaugh, his coaching headset that he wears, has headphones on both sides. Okay? That is the dumbest thing of all time. It's so stupid. <laughs> Every other coach you look at ever has the regular yeah. coach headset with one earphone and a mic. Jim Harbaugh has double headphones. You know, I never noticed Why? it until now that it's you pointed so it out. Stupid. What if every just... other coach, literally know. every coach ever, has one little headphone and another, except Jim Harbaugh? Why? Why? It's Maybe stupid. he has trouble focusing when he can hear both on the field and through his headset. It's dumb. Allows him to stay focused. Put an earplug in and just wear it, have it one. That would be dumber. No, it Come would not on. be dumber. If he had an earplug in <laughs> on his other, you know how dumb that would look? Well, I'm saying that he looks dumb with double headphones. I it's actually stupid. never noticed it until you pointed it out, so I don't think it Dude, looks Dude, it drives dumb. me insane. Like, I almost can't watch Michigan wow. games. Because they show Jim Arbaugh, and he's like, oh, look at how dumb I so am with my double perfect. headphones. If he becomes the Denver Broncos head coach, you're going to have to look at that a lot. Yes. I don't want to. It's so annoying. Well, I don't know if he's always done that. I have to look back at the nine, like when know. he was with the Niners. But when he's been coached with the Michigan Wolverines, double headphones. And I promise you, because I investigate these things, I have watched every single coach that I can find in every other game. None of them do it. It's only him. Only Jim Arba. I mean, I've Why? got some pictures with him with the Niners where he's wearing the two, but also which is one. Okay. So maybe it happened at some point in San Francisco when he when he made that decision. Okay. Well, I don't know what it is, but I don't like it. And he's the only one that does it. What what personnel move would scare you more? Uh, Jim Harbaugh going to the Broncos or Tom Brady going to the Raiders? Harbaugh Both the those Broncos, are being for sure slightly discussed. Okay. Because Tom Tom Brady's going to be done with with football. Maybe in the next five years, season or two. He'll no, play to his fifty. No, win two more Super Bowls. I would. <laughs> oh boy. Anyway, back to the playoff. Okay, sorry, um, I got distracted by the Jim Harbaugh stuff. But, yeah, I, I, that was such a but, clear— Okay, one more thing. Seriously. Yeah. Pay attention to the coaches. And if you ever find another coach with double headphones, tell me. Because okay. they don't exist. Okay. So pay attention. I will do that. I will do that. TCU just completely out physical Michigan. And even their their star running back, Kendra Miller, gets injured. And the DeMarcado kid just ran all over him. The offensive line was great for TCU. Max Duggan hit a bunch of big plays downfield. Not a super efficient game like in terms of— high completion percentage passing, but when you're throwing the ball downfield so much, you're not going to have as, as high of a completion rate. And Quentin Johnson, just an absolute star. Yeah, uh, I, I have questions about their defense, but I, I think we saw both playoff games were great, and part of them being great wasn't just because they were back and forth in close games. It's because really nobody could stop each other. So maybe that doesn't matter as much for TCU. What would you do for the Chiefs to draft Quentin Johnson? I would... <laughs> I don't know. Well, okay, what's crazy about it is, like, before the playoffs, like, there's a possibility he might have been available for the Chiefs. Maybe. I don't know. I haven't looked at any mock drafts or anything. But, I mean, I don't think I don't think he was, like, that high on people's boards, was he? I, I don't know. I know like, before the season he was seen as, like, a late first where it would have been perfect for the Chiefs. Exactly. I think now he's, he's seen as, like, maybe a top 15, top yeah, 10 yeah, pick. He's probably gone way if up If he's now. there at, like, say, pick 12, and, and you, you, the Chiefs have the chance to trade their first and... Uh, this year's second and the next year's third would you for do him. It? I think I would. Ooh. I think he's gonna be a stud. And you pair him with Patrick Mahomes, six foot four receiver who runs a I don't know, four four forty. Yes, please. Yeah, because they have MVS, right? But MVS is not like a contested catch guy. You know what I mean? No, no. Whereas Quentin Johnson is. Yes. But I uh I'm a little disappointed because I thought TCU Ohio State 
would have been an unbelievable championship game. You would have had two great offenses. Pretty wild, yeah. Defenses would have given up a lot of points. I'm worried now that Georgia is just going to blow out TCU. That's my. I think they could. And kind of, I think they the could spread because is of thirteen because of kind of what I already mentioned with how they beat Michigan. I mean, they beat Michigan, but they needed two pick sixes and a phantom overturn, you know, touchdown yeah. on a fumble the next play. That's yeah. what they needed to beat them. Georgia will just, you know, it, it'll be like a, a strangulation game. They'll just run the ball all over them. They'll make a few stops when they need to. TCU will probably know, though, still because, put up thirty points. Dude, Michigan made me want to beat my head against a brick wall with how many times they just ran HB dive and they just it just didn't really Georgia work. Georgia does at all. that too. But that's what I'm saying. It didn't work, though. Like, TCU stopped it. No, that's so, fair. I don't know. If they can stop it again against Georgia and make Setson Bennett have to throw to one of his 6'8", 6'9", 6'10", 7'2", 2' tight ends. <laughs> oh, 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 this guy's 6'7", 280? Yeah, good luck. So I, I, don't I don't know how to view the I, – I guess this is where it goes down. If the Ohio State game against Georgia was a clear indication of some weaknesses and faults in the Georgia Georgia defense or Georgia as a team, then I think TCU can hang with them. Because I think TCU does enough similarly, some areas better. Like, I think they're a better running team than, than Ohio State is. Ohio State's better with the downfield passing and just passing overall. But, again, TCU does have that that vertical weapon in, in Quinton Johnson and Max Duggan still is a, a Heisman-level quarterback that they should be able to keep it close with Georgia. But if that game for Georgia was more about they just played a bad game and Ohio State nearly got them, which, to be clear, Ohio State blew that game. The way that they – it's it's not just they were up, what, 14 at the start of the fourth quarter. Yep. Then they were up, I think, 38-35 with the ball. They kicked the field goal to make it 41-35. Yep. Then – they can't get a stop. So at this point, you've already blown the game. But then what Ryan Day did at the end when they had like a minute left and they're at the Georgia 30-ish yard line. I don't even remember. What did he do? I don't he, in, instead of playing for a touchdown or a closer field goal, they basically went into Andy Reid conservative mode <laughs> oh. where they have first and 10 with a full minute left at the 30. They have plenty of time to try it. In the first play, they run a halfback draw. No gain on the play. Then they let the clock run down to like 30 seconds left incomplete pass or something, and then they get screwed, and instead of having to take like a 40-yard field goal or trying to get a touchdown, they end up having to settle for a 50-yard field goal, and the kicker kicks it like he is trying to line drive it into, I don't know, like uh, into bowling <laughs> that was a bad. Just, that was a bad kick. Very bad kick. It's almost as bad as Harrison Butker's. Nonetheless, Ohio Dude, State blew that game. Kickers, so I, I don't know. Kickers suck. I don't know how I should view this. I don't know if like, I should view it as like ball. Georgia like, should doing? have lost, and so TCU should be able to beat them. Or, well, that was it, it's like the that was your one chance. You aimed at the king and you missed, and now the <laughs> king is going to come back with all his force on TCU and Probably. win by eight hundred points. Probably, yeah. By the way, kickers like it's kind of in the same vein as when I say just go tell the guy to play. Like, dude, just kick, just literally <laughs> kick the ball. Like, what are we doing? Kick it. What's the problem? Uh, did you see the video of the, the people who are like Ohio State fans who uh, were, were watching the game? And Eastern time, the game yeah, yeah, yeah. went right up. to... Yeah, yeah. They, they missed the field goal right at midnight. Yes, and the TV switched over to the... Wait, really? The New Year, oh. Yes, there's a video of this family. Like I didn't family. see that video. They're, they're, it's like this family. I don't know. They're having a watch party. And they're watching it, and I don't know what happened. If it was because it Did was somebody changed the channel, or I don't know if what? somebody changed the channel, or if it was on one of those things where they like had it set like, to be like automatically go to this oh, at okay. this time, yeah. Or if it was just 
this is like the local news station. I don't know. It was the game on like ABC or something, and it just yeah, yeah. you know switched. And wow. you see them, they're like waiting yeah. for the field goal, and all of a sudden the ball's dropping, and it's like Happy New Year. And everybody's like looking around, like yelling at each other. No, I just saw the video where they like they synced it up. They synced up like the kick with the the ball drop, and it happened like the exact same. Yeah, thing. which that's hilarious. I mean, what a worse way to start twenty twenty three. Oh yeah, for sure. Brutal. So yeah, uh, the other New Year's six games not quite as eventful. Uh, the Rose Bowl last night with Penn State Utah, good game at half, and yeah. then Desmond. Uh, I almost called him Desmond Ritter. What? What's the quarterback Cam name Rising. for Utah? Cam Rising. Why was I thinking Desmond Ritter? Uh, maybe the Ritter Rising. Close enough. Um, Cam Rising, he gets hurt, and then after that, it was just kind of a snooze fest. Penn State just kind of beat yeah. him in Utah, from there. Utah gave up way too many big plays. Yeah. Um, Tennessee, I guess that game was kind of a snoozer. Like, they controlled it the whole way through. Clemson could not make a field goal Clemson to save their life. Thanks. So, I think okay. Clemson's Serious not allowed question. to wear orange. And How Tennessee many is. field goals, if you were the head coach? How many field goals consecutively would your kicker have to miss for you to eventually be like, you know what, we're just going to go for it? Uh, I would think for me— Because he, he missed four in a row, right? I think it was the first three, and then oh, he, he barely the made the fourth. Okay, okay. Yes. Yeah, no, you, you would think at some point like it would change there. <laughs> Alabama just ethered K-State. I thought— oh, the, That sucks, K-State. The way the game started, K-State goes up 10-0, Deuce Vaughn has the long touchdown— Alabama can like not get a first down. K State's moving the ball, and honestly, K State could have been up more than that because they have the first drive of the game that they're driving, and they throw the interception, and then the second drive they're driving, and they get stopped to a field goal. They could have easily been up seventeen nothing, twenty one nothing in that game. And through that first moment, it was like, wow, they're kind of they're kind of kicking Alabama's butt early, and then Alabama woke up. They woke up, and they got the full force of the Crimson Tide. That sucks, K State. <laughs> oh, great season, guys. Way to go. Do you think if we would have had a 12-team playoff, this would have been a great year, would it not have been? I mean, Alabama clearly would have caused some noise. Even I, I'm not saying yeah. they did not deserve to be in the 14-team playoff, so please don't mince my words that way. But in a 12-team playoff. Wait, you're saying they deserve to be in the 14-team playoff, Derek? Oh, I hate you. In, in a 12-team <laughs> playoff, they would have caused a lot of noise, and then yep. you would have had, um, I guess, I, I mean, Penn State would have been interesting. Um, eh. Tennessee, eh. maybe with Hen and Hooker, okay. But I would have no. liked to see what USC would have done, just in terms of how many points it would have scored, and then USC eventually sucks. blown it defensively. Yeah, they that suck. was the best New Year's Six game outside of the the semis. Yeah, I I don't understand how they lost that game. I don't either. And I was financially game. invested in USC, so I was, I was pretty too. upset. I was too. The guy who that had to have been your worst moment when. Because I would argue the biggest play of the game was the kick returner trying to field the ball at the one and him dropping it out of bounds. <laughs> that led to a safety that gave Tulane the ball back and eventually allowed them to score and win by a point. Yeah. How nuts were you going when that happened? It was that is wild. your ultimate pet peeve, just special teams mistakes oh. and fielding kicks. Oh. Um, he could have just kneeled it or let it go. Yeah. Or not yeah. kneeled well, it. He could have just let have, it go. In college, you have more options. But it was going. It would have either gone out of bounds at the one yard line, and they would well, have I mean, had it remember, at the, the Pacheco 40. did this early in the season. Yeah, he, he caught it and then like threw it out, out of bounds at the three. Yes, and and so they end up getting a safety, and that's how Tulane won. Yeah, that was bad. That was bad. But what made up for that was Mississippi State minus three. If you had that, yes, I had that. It was great. Well, I do feel bad if anybody had the opposite. If they had <laughs> Illinois plus three or plus three and a half. And then you yeah, had USC yeah. minus yep. one and a half. I had USC minus two and a half. You had, what was the other game that there was like a, I could have sworn there was another, uh, 
Oh, maybe if you just had Ohio State like money line or something. Yeah. Over that like two day stretch. Yeah. That would have been tough. Real yeah, tough. you're telling me. So I mean, you know, I I I go one and one in the case of bad beats, which I think you have Equals to sit out. there and, and take that. Yeah, you, you just do. have to be happy with it and just go on with your life. Yeah. yeah, you can't win every bad beat. Nope. You hope you don't lose everyone. Yep. He's Nick Springer. Exactly. I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk about quarter till five. We will uh, talk more about the KU basketball game against Texas Tech. Preview that one, some Rock Chalk Pickahawk at the top of the five o'clock hour. We've also got more audio to share with you from Bill Self in the five o'clock hour. This is RCST. We'll be back after this timeout. Coming up in the 5 o'clock hour, we're going to go over the Kansas-Texas Tech game. We'll preview that one. Big one for uh, KU tonight. You can hear it, 6.30 pregame, tip-off at 8 o'clock. Did you see Jalen Daniels got an NIL deal yep. with Adidas? Okay, is this not what I predicted earlier in the year? Yeah, he called it. But hey, if you don't want your guy to transfer, just have him sign an NIL deal with whatever company your school represents. It's a win-win for everybody. Yeah. Right? And it's probably it's probably a huge win for Jalen Daniels. I mean, I, I would guess that that's probably a pretty hefty payday. For I him. would assume that's got to be at least like I mean, what, six, six figures, figures right? Least, I would think. Yeah. yeah. And enough so that we've kind of danced around it talking on here. We've never really gone fully into it. I, I know we did have actually that conversation a couple weeks ago that we were basically like, why worry about it unless it actually happens? But oh, dancing he, oh, around the idea of that, yeah, there were some people oh. like wondering. It wasn't necessarily something that was going to happen, but there were no. people basically scuttlebutting about. Well, I think. It's well, you have this like, really talented quarterback. What if another school like offers him a bunch of money? He's from L.A. Would he go and transfer and take a bunch of money? I think this pretty much clears that up, well, right? Yes, yes, hundred percent. I don't, uh, and and I think from watching the the bowl game against Arkansas, I was like, and even the K State game at the end of the season, like. It was obvious he was committed, right? And then you get, and then you get the Lance Leipold contract, and you get the Andy Kolnicki contract. It's like, why would he leave? Mm-hmm. I mean, he has a chance to come back and compete for a Big Twelve championship, probably with KU next season. Has a chance to go down as one of the greatest Kansas quarterbacks of all time, potentially, right? It's a no-brainer, you know. Yeah. So I, I think it makes a lot of sense. But yeah, absolutely. I mean, this this is the final nail in the coffin of here's a guy who is very clearly very committed to where he's at right now. And committed for the future, right? And also, I think a deal like this is makes you think, okay, maybe he let's say he has a let's say Jalen Daniels has a great season next year and Kansas goes nine and three or ten and two when they do compete and or make the Big Twelve title to game <laughs> and they go to a, a, a big time bowl game. Mm-hmm. Like he could declare. But with a deal like this, don't you think that makes it less likely he would do that? Yeah, I mean, unless you're looking at being like a, a day one or day two pick in the NFL draft. If you're if you're a guy who's like, uh, yeah, you could like, be a sixth or seventh yeah, rounder, like you you'd be declare like, and get drafted in the fifth round. Be like, no, I'll just make come you know, back $200,000 from Adidas exactly. and other NIL deals that I can still get to. And be the big man on campus yes. and possibly, you know. And maybe go down as the greatest quarterback exactly. in Kansas history exactly. with another year on it, right? No, 100%. So, yes, you're 100% right there. Um, but yeah, it's a very big deal, and I, and I think it shows the continued investment by Adidas. And, and Adidas has I, again. I'm telling you, Adidas has the right idea here. They do. But they're also schools. not going to do it with every player. No, I know. But the the guys that you don't want to transfer away. Yeah. And I think in basketball is where I guess you would see it more likely, right? Yeah. Like, or, or like, I, I mean, I don't know. Like maybe if if KU got the number one recruit in college basketball next season, and he comes to Kansas, and it's like, oh, he could be a one and done. But then Adidas is like, hey. 
we'll pay you a bajillion dollars on an NIL deal to stay at Kansas. But then again, I guess they'd make more money if he was in the NBA. Yeah, right? I, I don't think it would happen for that situation, but I do think it would happen from, like, we saw Grady Dick get an Adidas deal. And it's just funny because, again, like, four or five years ago, this is what Kansas is getting in trouble for, Adidas playing <laughs> players, and now they're doing it legally. And I'm not, there, there's nothing wrong with it. I'm just, yeah. it's funny how, how quickly the world kind of works over there. Hey, did you see the, uh, the report by the NCAA that they believe that every major sports should their tournament should be expanded to include 25% of teams competing which would mean that the NCAA tournament could expand to as much as 90 teams. Mm -hmm. I which, hate that. If you're going to if you're going to expand it to just do it to 96 so we at least have the even number of the I just really really But I do agree. I don't, I don't want like it, in it at all. I don't I don't want it either. Um I don't like that at all. The the one thing you could actually get me on board with is making it 72? No. To make all of the, uh, like what you pick a seed, like the twelve seed or something, all of the twelve seeds would be playing games, or all of the eleven seeds, or, or all of the I don't know sixteen. However, you'd want to do it. No, I'd be okay with that. No, I don't want ninety six, sixty eight, whatever. Is fine. This is the problem, Derek. Everybody wants change. Everybody wants change. What's wrong with what you got? What's wrong with sixty eight? I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with just in general looking in the mirror and being like, well, this could improve. But I do agree. I, I Why do they need to, to mess with this? Why? Like, it's you have a perfect product. You have the, the sports world captivated for a month. Why try to tinker with it? Yes. Agree. And now, if you're if you're a team, like, I mean, winning the college basketball title, it just would get that much more impossible. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And I, I also don't know how... If you have like a 90 team field, basically there's going to be like 32 teams that get a buy in round 1 and then the others have to play. How is that going to affect things? Like are you going to have a lot more high seeds losing because probably. We see it all the time where I, I think it's like every year at least one of the uh first four winners like makes the sweet 16 or something. <laughs> they at least win their first game. Yeah. Yeah, well I mean, listen, in college sports momentum is everything. Right? Certainly more than in professional sports. And so if you get the opportunity to play a game, basically, before you get into the actual tournament, essentially, yeah, I think that could be viewed as an advantage in some cases. Mm -hmm. I mean, Syracuse, they were a playing team. They made the Elite Eight one year, right? I think. Mm. Weren't they a playing team? I don't team? know. Is They're always seed? like an 11 seed, so wouldn't surprise me. I, I know VCU, obviously, that's the one everybody remembers. Made Were they it to a playing the final team? Four. Yeah, they made it all the way to the Final Four. Oh, I didn't know they were playing. Kansas team. playing team. Um, I didn't know that. There's been other ones. <laughs> Just not coming to mind right now. Hey, did you see Ryan O'Hearn got traded to the Orioles? <laughs> <laughs> no more Ryan O'Hearn. No more Bro Hearn. Okay. I don't understand this at all because if you were going to trade him, why did you sign him to a contract? Just cut him. But I guess, okay, I don't know how much cash considerations they actually got for him. That's what the trade was, right? Yeah, cash what if they got more cash than they had to pay if him? If they got more cash than what the contract was, okay, fine, sure, whatever. Good job. You made it, You made a couple extra dollars. What if it's less? Then why did you do that? What? what, what what's the reason? Well, yes, technically, they haven't paid him yet. I think they have to pay him though because they DFA'd him. Doesn't that mean you have to pay him? I don't actually no, they know how. No, traded him, right? No, but they they designated DFA'd him for him assignment they... first, which I think means they do have to pay him. Man, I don't know. I listen. Some of this 
contract salary stuff, especially in the MLB, I don't even really try to understand it. I don't know that whole, that whole thing seems like the Royals completely bungled it because they well, DFA'd no him. they didn't because they got rid of him so they actually won. well yes it ended up being okay but that they they ended up DFA they they tendered him a contract yep. then they DFA'd him after they signed Jordan Lyles Correct. which tells you that they were like no we're not going to sign anyone and then they're like wait a minute this pitcher who's been horrible wants to sign with us let's do it well DFA Ryan O'Hearn. It's like this was not a well thought out. Like it doesn't sound like you thought too much in the future here. Does this make you concerned about the Royals front office going forward? Um, that maybe they're not like thinking ahead too much. I don't know if it or that they're just dumb. I don't know if if it this specifically does, but I think the whole off season might have you worried a little bit. The fact that they got they signed what we think or they got what we they hired what we think is a good manager. We think. Yeah, I guess we don't really know for sure, but we, he has traits that we like, I guess. <laughs> they still got a young team, you know, but are you concerned? I don't even know if concern is no. the right term because it's like, what are the Royals going to do this season? They're going to go 500 at best, at best, at worst. They're another. They win 65 games. I think it'd be pretty shocking if they went 500 for me. You think so? That's too high. But I know. guess I don't know if all the young players 75, like hit, 75 wins. I think their over under is going to be set at like seventy. Okay. We'll would see. you go over? No. I would not. Yikes! Did Donovan Mitchell have the greatest game in summer. NBA history last night? We're going to talk all about that in the 5 o'clock out. No, just kidding. But I did want to mention this. Oh, are we going to analyze every no, shot? No, I don't. But he had 71 points on 34 shots. To put it in comparison, Wilt, Wilt had 100 on 63 shots. So Donovan Mitchell scored 29 less points on almost 30 less shots. <laughs> he also had 11 assists and 8 rebounds. Now, Wilt had 25 rebounds in his game. Mitchell was also aided by overtime. Yeah, Wilt's... Wilt's Which game are you taking? Wilt's game was better. Okay. Wilt's game is better. That's an interesting discussion. <laughs> I think you go Wilt because, yeah, again, you have the over. If Wilt has overtime, he's scoring. I mean, he's averaging over two points per minute. 20. So 110 with like 20. But, Derek, you're forgetting. Rebounds. I mean, we don't have any evidence of the Wilt game happening. Are you a conspiracist? Did it not other happen? Than him ha- other than the picture of him with the 100. That's good enough for me. You hold up. Uh, that's good enough? Yeah, that's good enough for me. So if I walk in tomorrow. Uh-huh. With a sheet of paper that says 100 on it. And yeah. I said, hey, last night at a pickup basketball game, I scored 100 points. Good for you, man. Would you Congrats. believe me? Because now I'm putting the onus on you. But would you believe me? Yeah, I would believe you. I'm, I'm a, Why? Because I, I don't want to believe that you, you would lie to me. I don't want to believe that. <laughs> okay, I appreciate that, actually. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. Two hours down, one to go. KU Texas Tech preview next. Five o'clock hour. You can hear Kansas Texas Tech pregame six thirty tip off eight o'clock here on your original home for the Hawks with KLWN as well as our sister station one hundred five nine Kiss. The fans, the tradition, the glory. There's nothing more thrilling than college football, and it all comes down to the national championship game happening on Monday. Your go-to for betting is DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps. And right now, new customers can bet just $5 on college football and get $200 in free bets instantly, win or lose. Plus, everyone can combine multiple bets for a bigger payout with DraftKings Same 
same-game parlays. You can even do a same-game parlay on the Kansas-Texas Tech game tonight. I did one where I have Grady Dick to score 11 or more points and Jalen Wilson to score 16 or more points. If you think both those can happen, you can get it near even odds. It's like minus 120. At least it was earlier today. But you can also get some other bets on the game as well. With DraftKings, Kansas is down to a one-point favorite. The over-under is 141. They're minus 120 money line and all sorts of player props on the game. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use code KLWN. New customers bet for $5 on college football and get $200 in free bets instantly. That's code KLWN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem, getting help is your best bet. Call 800-522-4700. 21 or older, physically present in Kansas. Bonus issued is free bets. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Terms at sports Facebook.draftkings.com slash football terms on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. I saw a video Kevin McCuller made the, you know how KU does like a half court shot before every game? Yeah. Kevin McCuller made it. Is that a good sign of things oh. to come in his return back home? Oh, that's a great sign. That's a great sign. He's going to get booed Kansas tonight, by, right? Kansas by 100. He's going to get booed. Oh, yeah. We saw the Chris Beard. Oh, yeah. The Chris Beard one's going to be worse because it's... It's coach. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's going to be. Yeah, I don't think it's, it's going to be, be uh, to that level. But like, I don't like, think they're going to cheer for him. Like with the Chris Beard one, the difference to me is that the Chris Beard one didn't. Fl- it flowed over from the game. It was attacking his bus, basically. It I don't was, think any of that's going to happen. No, none of that's going to happen. But in the game, the in the arena itself, it will be just as like uh, I don't loud know. of I don't, booze. I, I think. mean, I don't think it's going to be as loud as Beard, but there's definitely going to be more booing than cheering. That's for sure. Yeah. I wonder I how any question about I that. wonder how it'll affect him. Because he seems to be a very cerebral guy. And and I think for most players, like, I don't know, that wouldn't be fun just getting like booed by a team who yeah. you did a lot with. Well, but also like for some guys it fuels them and they play yeah. better. Well, here's what I'll say about that. KU has played in one really true road hostile environment this season. Missouri. And they beat him by thirty. Mm-hmm. Right? So I feel like this team is pretty well equipped to respond positively. I think Jalen likes being the villain. I think he does. I think he likes going in and being the guy that everyone... Yeah. Well, I mean, last year you had all sorts of guys who did that, right? Like, Jalen was good at it. Christian was elite at it. (laughs) Remy Martin didn't play a ton, but he was good at it. Yeah, I think Jalen likes it. Dewan just does his thing regardless of where he's at. Yeah, he's just even keel no matter what. He just does his thing. I think Grady... Grady can be a crowd silencer, right, if he hits a couple threes, you know? KJ's a dog. Yeah, KJ loves... I think he just loves energy. Yeah. So I I think that could be a good thing for him. KJ's a dog. So I think McCuller... Because of the guys that he's surrounded with and just that atmosphere, I think he's going to respond positively. I don't. Yeah. I, I. That's my. That's my gut feeling. And even when we heard we heard the player audio, right? Somebody asked him about that, and Jalen and Cage are both like, "Yeah, you know, we're, you know, this is what we do. We're here to have our guys back. You know, it, it's not one man against the entire team. It's us versus them, right? So I think the rest of his team is going to certainly pick him up as well. So I don't. I don't see any reason why Kevin McCuller would not respond. In a positive manner to the environment with the, with the, with the team that he's got around him, and they need him to respond just overall. He had kind of a tough game against Oklahoma State. Obviously, hit one of the biggest shots of the game. Plays great defense. You yeah. can't go without saying that. But uh, for his standards, certainly a down game. Had just seven points. He had five turnovers. They need him to to get back to where you know he's being an 11, 12, 15 point per game scorer and getting close to double digit rebounds. And, and I yeah. expect him to have that bounce back tonight. I do agree with you there. Yeah. Now, it's hard to tell just how good Texas Tech is. We know they're a good team. They should be a tournament team. But is this like a top 25 team? Is it like a first-round loss type of NCAA tournament team? That I don't totally know. If you go look on Ken Palm right now, 
They're uh, ranked 31st in the country. They're 61st offensively, 22nd defensively. But their their schedule is just not good. So, like, <laughs> offensively, they've actually shot well, the what, ball really well. What tournament were they in to start the year? They were in the Maui Invitational. That the was, Maui, like, their okay. one good— I can remember if it was Maui or not. —stretch of games outside of their, their conference opener, which they lost in a close game at TCU on Saturday. Yeah, they, they lost to uh, Ohio State and— Creighton in the Maui Invitational, okay, yeah, but like everybody else they've played is just like bad. Like they, it, it's almost <laughs> similar to seriously. It's it's kind of similar to like Missouri's schedule, um, in terms of some of those other games and early games. And this is not new for them. This is kind of what traditionally they've done. But like their strength of schedule on Ken Palm is three hundred and thirty eighth. Bad. The opposing defenses they've played is three hundred and forty eighth. So. That's why their their offense is only ranked 61st because it's adjusted to schedule. But then if I look at the individual stats, I'm like, oh, they're 7th in effective field goal rate. They're 10th in two-point percentage. They're 52nd in three-point percentage. They're shooting 37%. But then again, when you factor the schedule, you're like, okay, well, clearly they're not as good as that. I guess the point being, though, is that this is not the normal tech team that can't shoot and just relies on defense. The defense is still really good. You expect it to be the case. But they probably are better offensively than you expect. I also don't think they're like they're good defensively. I don't think they're as elite of elite defensively as we've seen in years past. Yeah, I was thinking about this. Like in my head, I was like, man, you know, Texas Tech on the road as your first road conference game. Like that's tough. That's kind of tough, right? And then I started going through. I was like, well, you you don't really want West Virginia to be your first road conference game. <laughs> K State, no. Texas, no. Baylor, no. There so is like, no good first. You know, I mean, yeah, even like yeah. Iowa State. I mean, that even I, you know, Hill's yeah. Magic. You don't even really want to go there. As your no, first I, I, so it's yeah. like so I was like, okay, well, I guess it's you, know, like you just got to go into play. It. Everybody in the Big Twelve is good, and everywhere you play, but like everybody has good home court environment. Yeah, I mean, the worst home court environment in the Big Twelve is probably Oklahoma, right? Yes, I think that's probably like with a Oklahoma. Bullet. But then, uh, but then I mean, you but know then they're going to like sell out against Kansas. Then, so, but then, like, who's the next worst after Oklahoma? That's a good question. I don't know. I mean, you got West Virginia. They're pretty like, good. Traditionally, Texas good. has had one of the worst, but now they have they a new have arena, arena, and it looks like they're popping in there, and, yep. and they've been good. Yep. Um, Gallagher is pretty good. Yeah, Hilton's like when Oklahoma good. State plays like random teams, they usually don't fill it up, and it's not that good. But when they play Kansas, they sell it out, and it's a great <laughs> arena, right? So Yeah, I guess that's true. I guess that's part of it, speaking, too. If we're ranking like everywhere Kansas goes. Strictly by when they play Kansas, that's a lot different. <laughs> it's like all elite. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, it's, it's tough in that regard. Uh, so I, I don't really know, but... This week, really, because now you go at Texas Tech tonight, you're at West Virginia Saturday. If I guaranteed you right now, if I said Kansas is going to go one and one, would you take it or let it roll? I'd let it roll. I'd let it roll. I think I, I would, too. too. I think you went, too. I would, too. I, I I think that, to me, the the most realistic scenario is they do go one and one if you're just playing the odds. But I do think if you're saying what's a better chance of them going 2-0 and or 0-2, I mean, I think this is one of the better teams in the country, so I'm going to expect I mean, better chances going two and zero. Listen, we we mentioned the uh, I mentioned at the top of the show the the ESPN BPI that had the, the strength of schedule remaining all ten Big Twelve teams. Well, also Ken Palm currently projects only two teams in the whole conference to finish above five hundred. That's crazy. Kansas and Texas. That's crazy. Two teams. They Ken Palm has six teams projected to go eight and ten, two teams at nine and nine, and two teams at twelve and six. So, I, I mean, that's insane. I'm not expecting that to happen, but like I think it does show you how 
tight together the conference is. Yeah. And and I think it adds to the idea that if you do end up going one and one this week. Yeah, wh- yeah, which is why I would basically urge- Again, I'm not taking it, but I'm saying if they do go one and one, I think you're content. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't which mean is you're why throwing a party. I would, I would basically urge caution with regards to yes. if they go one and one in these next two games. Like well, I think there'll be there'll probably be some KU fans because there always are who are like, Oh my god, this guy's falling. Yes. No, that it's gonna be happen. fine. I mean, I like. I mean, like we had the discussion with Matt Taylor earlier. I mean, realistically, 12, 12 and six could win the conference. Yes. which which is crazy to say because typically it's you've needed fourteen, fifteen wins mm-hmm. in conference to win it. But like, legitimately, twelve and six could win. Now you don't want to bank on that, obviously, yeah. right? You don't want to be like, oh, you know, right we now, lost two you games. Should, yeah. You know, you don't want to bank on it. You but. target fourteen, and you go, okay, even if it's thirteen, we feel like we got a good shot. But yeah, twelve. Who knows? Could end up doing it if it is this muddled. Like but again, think. road but me, games, road wins are worth their weight in gold in yeah. this conference. Let me take you back to a uh, time a bit ago. This was uh, earlier in Bill self ten self tenure. Okay, Kansas opens up the opens up Big Twelve play with a win against Oklahoma State. So they're one and zero in Big Twelve play. They're twelve and one overall. Okay, so exactly what they are right now, right? They play at Texas Tech in Lubbock. Yes, exactly what they are right now. Uh, they play Texas Tech in Lubbock. In their second game of Big 12 play on January 8th. This is January 3rd. They lose. A game that they were close, but Tech pulls away, wins by eight late after some late free throws. That team ended up winning the national championship. That was last year. Really? Wow. (laughs) Wait, how do they have the same conference schedule to start the Last year they played at Oklahoma State to open. This year was at all. Okay, okay, okay. But yeah, the first two are the same. So, wow. I'll just I'll, I'll throw that out there just in case they lose tonight. <laughs> now, if they get blown out, we're certainly going to have other discussions. And, and if they do lose, we, we will have serious discussions about that. But I'm just saying, big picture, don't be overly concerned. We good. what happens tonight. We as good. long as they go one and one this week, I think you're fine. Okay, but we we uh, listen, November games don't matter. December games, if they had lost, I would have said they don't matter too. Now we're into January. If they matter. lose, I don't know that I can claim that January games don't matter. No, I, I, I don't think they don't matter. I think it's just that I'm saying the sky would not be falling. <laughs> no, I agree with that. Is the way I put it. Now, Tech, I agree with that. they play a lot of two big lineups with Kevin O'Banner, Daniel Bacho been really good, so those guys are going to be tough, have a lot of athletic wings who will come off the bench. They're, they play kind of two little lead guards, and they actually have two guys who can really shoot it from three that they're going to have to defend. Uh, they force a lot of turnovers and steals, so... Uh, really needs to be a a second half of what you did against Oklahoma State than the first half with not turning the ball over, but really it's it's the one different thing that we're not used to with Tech this year is they they played a faster tempo. I I guess that's a positive for Kansas because they like playing at a faster tempo. Yeah, I mean, I think we've discussed this. Like, I feel like Kansas can play and be somewhat successful at just about any tempo, mm-hmm. but I think certainly to reach their maximum potential. The higher, the better, the faster the tempo, the the better they are. One thing to keep an eye on. I, I know this is something Bill Self mentioned in the post game, which we'll get to here in a bit. Um, is that it's really hard to prepare for Texas Tech, especially on short rest like they have here, because they play such a unique, different style of defense where they like kind of overhelp. And I'm trying to think back over the past years how Kansas has done in the first meeting versus the second. It seems like they always do a lot worse in the first than they do the second. So they had, uh, last year, obviously, they lost the first, they won the second, and then they won the third, and each time got progressively better. First time you lose, second time you win in, was it double overtime or triple overtime with the the Ochai shot? Uh, I don't And then the third game, you just win in regulation. So it got progressively better. 2021, year before, they barely win by one point at Texas Tech in Lubbock. Second meeting, you win by six at home. 
So it got progressively better there. Now that could also just be because Playing the last home. two years you played them on the road the first time and then played them on home after that. Let's see. Yeah. Uh, 2020. Yeah, how does that keep happening? I don't know. 2020, you played them at home first. You won by three. Then you played them on the road and you won by four. Hey, Brett, you're Mark. What are we doing? Well, no, that time it was opposite, and they, they got progressively better again okay. by one point. Okay. That one okay, wasn't fine. by a lot. Okay. 2019, they about to go pick it up beat them by off. six at home. Then they lost by like 30 on the road. So that time it did not happen. <laughs> 2018, though, it did. They played them at home, and they lost, and then they went into Lubbock and, and won on the road. So for the most part, Kansas has had a better time the second time against them. That okay. could just be coincidence. Maybe not. I don't know. Okay. All right, we got to do our KU game picks, and then we'll get to a rock chalk pick a hawk. Oh yeah, you are zero and four on KU game picks. What? Which is picking KU against the spread and then the over under. Well, that's because I pick KU every time, and they have not covered the two games we've done this, <laughs> and it's also I think gone under both times. Uh, yeah, it is right now on DraftKings. Kansas minus one. Who yeah. are you going with? Give me Kansas. Okay, and the over under is one forty one. That seems way too high. I'm going to go under. I am going to go over. I am also going to go Texas Tech to pull the upset. Ooh. And then, uh, do you want to pick a player prop? Yes, no. I guess we don't need to because we have Rock Truck Pickahawk. Okay, yeah, yeah. We'll do Rock so Truck No need for that. Yeah, okay. We're going to Rock Truck Pickahawk. Okay, on to Rock Truck Pickahawk. You I'm on fire. Stay on fire. I'm on fire. And uh, you win again, 98 to 79. I had Musa Cisse, who did like nothing, as my second pick. And uh, it's now tied 5-5. He was almost your second highest score. Yeah, so reminder, we now in Big 12 play, you can pick one player max of from the other team. But yeah, I had a bad, Kevin McCuller only had 14. Um, You had Jalen who had 23. Yeah, okay, I would say You had Bryce Thompson. That's what makes me mad, because you were were picking, you were going to take another KU player, and I was like, come on, just take Bryce Thompson, it'll be the smart pick. And screwed me over. (laughs) Which it is funny, he had 15, that means he did nothing else, because he had like 20 points. Yeah, he didn't do anything, yeah. But if if you didn't take Bryce Thompson, I probably would have would have been eighty three seventy nine. I don't know how it would have worked out because it would have depend what other KU player you took, and then yeah. I took at that point. But nonetheless, you got another win. Yep, bang. You now have the first pick. It is serpentine. We're going six rounds, same rules. Um, I'll go with Jalen Wilson, number one overall. Okay, I am gonna go revenge game. It's not even a revenge game. He's the one who left them. But nonetheless, Kevin McCuller. Okay, and then uh, pick number two. I kind of want to take Grady Dick, like. Sometimes tech overhelps leads to open threes, but with Grady Dick, it's a lot of times the other defense, they're not going to let that guy get the open three. It's going to go to somebody else. But also, yeah, I don't know. I don't know who else to take. So I'm going to go with Grady Dick. Uh, I'll take Dewan Harris. Okay. And I guess KJ Adams. I mean, he plays the most minutes after that, so I'll, yeah. take, I'll go with KJ Adams as well. All right, I'm going to take the uh, first Texas Tech player of the game. I'm between Kevin O'Banner and Daniel Bacho. Bacho gets more rebounds and and blocks, but O'Banner's probably going to play more, scores a little bit more. Uh, This is a tough one. I'm going to go Daniel Bacho. Okay. And then another KU guy. We're we're doing six, right? Yeah, six each. Let's go with Zuby Edgefer. I think this could be a big game for Zuby. Bottling up a lot of rebounds. If both teams are struggling to hit shots, which... Very really could happen with two really good defenses. A lot of rebounds to be had. I was hoping to get Zuby. Uh, I'm gonna go with Bobby Pettiford as my next pick. I just he just he's just a he's a a high floor rock mm-hmm. pick a hot guy. Like he's gonna get you between Probably five to ten, you know, ten points. Yeah. yeah, which is really not that bad. Uh, all things considered, so Pettiford and then 
I just really want MJ Rice to be good. Okay. So I'm going to pick MJ Rice. I was just about to say, so I'm glad you took him. I do not think this is an MJ Rice game. <laughs> Talking about playing on the road in a tough environment against a tough defensive team. It does not want feel like be good, though. does not feel like this would be the game that he enters that uh, be good. Bill Self circle of trust. Okay. Uh, I will take Joe Yesifu. And then this will be my last pick. Let's go with another one of the centers. Ernest Uday has just kind of disappeared. Yeah. Zach Clements was the second big off the bench last game. What does that mean? I don't know. <laughs> uh, Zach Clements, I guess. Okay. Uh, I guess I'll take uh, Kevin O'Banner from, from Texas Tech. Yep. A smart play there. Why not? The last pick. All right. That's Rock Truck. Pick a Hawk. We'll recap that on tomorrow's on show. On a five-game win streak, baby. Come on. Keep He's going. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. We'll uh, play some Bill Self audio for you next. This is RCST.